0: Shabbat Shalom, and welcome to this week's episode of I Only Have Five Minutes. This is your host, Avra Melner. I'm a current rabbinical student at the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies in beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. This week's Parsha, Parshat Ha'azinu, is the last Parsha of the Torah that we will read before completing reading the entire Torah on Simcha Torah and starting all over again. In this Parsha, this is Moses' second to last farewell poem and it describes Israel's relationship with God in all its ups and downs and points to the challenges that lay ahead after Moses is gone. At points, it isn't pretty, and some of the language and ideas used are painful to read and at the very least not indicative of my personal theology. Yet, I believe the underlying meaning of the text remains poignant and relevant, and I choose to read the poem as a love poem. A love poem that includes the full spectrum of human and divine emotion with all the challenges and triumphs that come with choosing to exist in relationship and before we get into the thick of it i need to point out that the text we'll be looking at today and the caudalistic commentary i'm going to bring in as a result of the time period from where these texts came and the culture that these texts came out of, they use gendered heteronormative language. And as a result of this context, in unpacking the text, I'll be using gendered language. But I think it's very important to acknowledge the limits, the difficulties, and the challenges that come with using this framework in today's modern world. And I will say that I believe we need to have more discussions and to think creatively as to how to make these texts more inclusive. Going back to the parsha, I want to focus on just one line of this poem, of Devarim 32:10, Deuteronomy 32:10. The standard English translation is. God found him in a desert region, in an empty howling waste. God engirded him, watched over him, guarded him as the pupil of God's eye. I want to play with the language, with the meaning of the verbs, and their direct objects. If we take him to refer to all the people Israel, I want us to reread the verse instead of with him, with them. And furthermore, since we are all of the people Israel, I want us to read the them not as them but as us now i've also taken the liberty to play with some of the verbs which i'm happy to talk about at a further point but i don't want to take up too much time because theoretically this podcast is only five minutes so here's my translation and interpretation of this text god found us in the land of the wilderness in the wailing desolate void of emptiness and formlessness God enveloped us, gave us Bina, gave us intuitive understanding, guarded us as the pupil of God's eye. And there are a couple of interesting things here. The Hebrew uses the verb Tohu, which takes us all the way back to Breshit, to creation, to the beginning of beginnings, when before God created anything, there was only Tohu Vavohu. There was just formlessness, chaos, and void. So from the very beginning, and God gave us bina, God gave us intuitive understanding. Bina is one of the spherot and is connected with the color black and is connected to the shekhinah, which is God's divine feminine presence, which exists in the world. Furthermore, the pupil of the eye is connected to malchut, which is the lowest sphera, which is the sphera of the world that we live in and is also connected to the Shekhinah, that the Shekhinah lives within Malchut and all of God gets projected down to this level. My translation of God guarded us as the pupil of God's eye, we can reread as God guarded us as the Malchut, as the kingdom of God's eye. God guarded us as the entire world because for God, we are the entire world. With this reinterpretation, And let me read it one more time. God found us in the land of the wilderness, in the wailing desolate void of emptiness and formlessness. God enveloped us, gave us Bina, intuitive understanding, guarded us as the pupil of God's eye. The heavy use of symbolism of this verse bring us to a deeper level of understanding. If you're lucky, you've had that moment with someone when your eyes meet and the rest of reality melts away like dripping wax for a brief moment everything else stops and the whole world is contracted to that moment to that singular point when you see and you are seen it's a moment of pure knowing pure being pure relationship in that split second which lasts for all of eternity, there's only one. This verse encapsulates that moment all of Israel had with God and the relationship that followed, what came from that brief taste of infinity when eyes locked with one another and everything was open and all was seen. Now why does God guard Israel like the pupil of God's eye? The Zohar parallels the spherah of Malchut, our reality on this earth, with the pupil. And again, Malchut is connected with Shekhinah, God's feminine presence. So the single verse is wrapped up in seeing, in knowing, and in enveloping. Furthermore, the Zohar spends a lot of time discussing the information about an individual hidden in their physical attributes. It's in its description of the four colors of the eyes, we read the following regarding the pupil: Legomi ha'hu bat eina niku da uchama da'ihu ihu bar nash techaih tadir v'chade v'chadu v'chashiv machashivin latav vela istlimu inun machashavin bagin de salik lon miyad merute. Istadal be milay de alma. Ba'ad istadal be milay dashmaya atslakh. Hay itsrikh leitat kefa be leistad la, raita de hay ba. The innermost is the pupil of the eye, which is a black dot. This alludes to malchut. This is a person who is always laughing and full of cheer. This person has good intentions. But those intentions are never accomplished, since they slip from that person's mind. This person is occupied with worldly matters, but when occupied with spiritual matters, this person will succeed. Therefore, this person should be encouraged to occupy themselves with the Torah, for they will succeed in it. The pupil, the most delicate part of the eye symbolizes this tension we find ourselves in, yearning for those moments of seeing and being seen, of being pulled out of the land of the wilderness, out of the wailing desolate void of emptiness and formlessness. We yearn for those moments that bring us back to that moment of oneness, and yet oftentimes we find ourselves, quote, being occupied with worldly matters. And this is the tension of searching for connection, yet getting caught up with everything else. But it's not fair to blame ourselves, to feel guilty for living life. We all need to be able to put food on the table, to pay our bills, to keep a roof over our heads. We have to honor the reality of the world we live in, And this world is one which often demands our attention, whether we like it or not. The trick, I believe, is to keep an eye out, pun very much intended, for those moments where time slips away, where you can truly see and can truly be seen. These precious moments are fleeting, and in a mere blink they may disappear But if we do our best to keep our minds, hearts, and eyes open, sooner or later, those moments will find us. And we must protect those moments and protect those relationships as we protect the delicate pupils of our eyes. My blessing, my bracha, for all of you this week is that may we keep our minds, hearts, and eyes open to have those moments when we gaze into infinity and infinity gazes back into us. Shabbat Shalom.